This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Coming up next on Plains FM, the Shetland and Orkney Connection, brought to you by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society. Played by Shetland band Homebrew Signal 8.30pm the last Monday each month For the Shetland and Orkney Connection Produced by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society And broadcast on Plans FM 96.9 Either directly in Canterbury or streaming live globally on broadband Or available for three months after the broadcast Via podcast on the website www.plansfm.org.nz Heather, and today I just have Helen with me. Welcome to the October edition of the Shetland and Orkney Connection. It is presented by the Canterbury Shetland and Orkney Society and is promoted by the community radio Plains FM 96.9. The programme is broadcast at 8.30pm on the last Monday of each month and is repeated on Monday two weeks later at noon. I will start with a few snippets from the papers. It's not even winter yet in Orkney and Shetland, but they've had this month some quite strong storms, with many ferry crossings cancelled. Water was fairly crashing over the Churchill barriers, and they had to be closed. The sea was very rough, and waves hitting the cliffs went up to the top and spewed onto the land. Quite a spectacular sight. In one video clip on Facebook, I was amazed that there were people walking along the cliff top when this was happening. A bit on the dangerous side, I would think, and something I wouldn't fancy doing. <laughs> I don't think I would either, actually. <laughs> a story which has been spinning for 8 million miles is not over yet, as a set of two decade-old turbine blades are set to be repurposed. The 22-year-old blades from the 1.3 megawatt Sigard wind turbine on Burger Hill were built to withstand and operate in constantly high and turbulent winds. And they are pretty windy up on top of Burger Hill because I have been up there. They have generated many hours of clean electricity during their lifetime. With the blades now to be replaced, the turbine's owner, Thrive Renewables, are working with Reblade to turn old blades into furniture for councils, communities and businesses across the country, which could include bus shelters, benches and other items. But I think they made a fiberglass, but fiberglass oh, doesn't, last really? for, doesn't last forever, does oh, it either? So, so yeah. they're not made of steel? or No, I don't think so. Oh. Mm. They'll be too heavy. You're right, they would mm. be. Mm. A new full-time resident nurse is set to move to Fair Isle next year. The position was advertised across the UK, with a number of national newspapers highlighting the unique rural role, and the recruitment process has been a success. Chief Nurse Kim Anderson 
said they were delighted to announce that they had successfully appointed a resident nurse to Ferrile. It comes with the Ferrile Bird Observatory, expected to open next spring, bringing more tourists and workers to the island. That's great news about the bird observatory. Yeah, it is that it's getting over again. But I say, gosh, I think there's only 40 to 60 people that live on um, Ferrile, aren't there? So the the nurse might be too busy. (laughs) She might be during the tourist season. It could be a good job, actually, yeah. (laughs) Now, the sale of Logan Air has been put on hold for the moment. Owners Stephen and Peter Bond said there had never been a time-bound reason for the sale of Logan Air and they both remained committed to the country. They put Logan Air up for sale in October 2022, saying they would both like to retire. Also, the airline recently has just been named Airline of the Year by the European Regional Association. They highlighted Logan's impressive, Logan Air's impressive performance in returning to profitability after the pandemic and their impressive approach to the environment. Logan Chief Executive Jonathan Hinckley's said it was an incredible honour and he thanked their magnificent employees for their extraordinary efforts in recent years. Logan Air was one of the few airlines to continue flying daily throughout the pandemic, providing essential travel to remote communities, air ambulance service for COVID patients and energy industry charter services that ensured that UK's lights remained switched on. A major record was reached at the Mart recently after a ram sold for £20,000. A shearling ram owned by Morley Thompson achieved this outstanding result after being made overall champion. <laughs> yeah, so for that price, he would need to be capable of doing what he was bought for, wouldn't he? He certainly would, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's, mm, what a life he's going to lead. A record-breaking cruise season with 129 ships, 124,000 passengers plus, has been hailed as a year like no other. Lerwick Port Authority confirmed that the 2023 programme had been its most successful ever. The Shetland supply chain, the islanders with their warm welcome, stakeholders and our staff deserve the highest praise for their efforts. Already 160 vessels have been booked in for the 2024 season. There were more records broken for visiting yachts, with a total of 594 so far, including participants in the 34th Bergen to Shetland race. As a particular highlight of the season was the four-day Tall Ships event in July, which attracted around 40,000 visitors, which seems to be an awful lot of people to be Yeah. Well, my second cousin's three granddaughters sailed on three different Tall Ships from Bergen and were introduced to Princess Anne on arrival in Lerwick. They were thrilled with the trip and meeting the princess. Oh, sure they yes. were, yes. Yeah, yes, because uh, she's one of the nicer royals, isn't yes. she? <laughs> mm. Now, Shetland Islands Council will soon be carrying out safety assessments at cemeteries and churchyards across the aisles, continuing an ongoing programme of, mem- of memorial inspections. Any memorials which fail and are in need of repair, will have a green safety notice placed next to it. Any memorials assessed as unstable or dangerous will normally be braced with wooden supports or cordoned off. 
all local authorities in Scotland now have the responsibility of ensuring that burial grounds are safe places to visit. Following a tragic accident in 2018, when a child died in a Glasgow cemetery, when a headstone toppled onto him. Yes, I think they're doing the same thing in Auckland. Well, it's all over Scotland. And I know my grandparents' headstone was getting a bit wobbly the last time I was there, and I was a bit concerned. You know, it's over five feet tall, and it's a great big hunk of whatever. Yes. <laughs> if it fell on you, yes, it would flatten you. Mm. From the Kirkwall Flower Arrangement Club, a huge, huge thank you to everyone who came to see their floral festival in the cathedral. Your donations raised a magnificent sum of £5,200. Every year the club donates the proceeds of the festival to the Cathedral Restoration Fund, and this year's total is really great. And some of the arrangements were amazing, and they do need all the restoration funds they can get because there's always something that needs to be done um, with the Cathedral. Mm. Now the Yell and Ernst Tunnel Action Groups say they have returned to Shetland with extensive information and inspiration following a fact-finding trip to Faroe. The delegation had presentations and discussions on the construction, funding and evaluation of the island's tunnel projects, as well as the initial investigations required. Faroe has long been regarded as something of a blueprint to how tunnels can be done in an island community. Joint Chair of the Unst Group, Alice Mathewson, said, The key to any tunnelling project is mapping out the geology. It was interesting and informative to speak to island residents about the impact tunnels have had on their communities. Stemming depopulation, strengthening rural businesses, including shops, and providing unrestricted travel across communities for both work and social activities. The Tunnel Action Group are encouraging anyone with an interest in the tunnels to visit Faroe to see what can and has been achieved through permanently linking islands with tunnels. These tunnels are not lined with concrete and are similar to the Milford Tunnel here in New Zealand just the bare rock all around. Meanwhile, back in Shetland, the two tunnel groups' trip coincided with the Yell Sound Ferry Service being disrupted by bad weather and the Blue Mull Sound Service working with only one vessel for much of the week. <laughs> That's a good reason to get a tunnel, isn't it, and quick? I mean, I hope... I hope well, and especially with climate change. Yeah, I'm sure they will end up getting them, but... Mm. Um, it yeah, will certain, they certainly make a yes. difference. And um, if you look at the pictures on Oh, I know, they're, they're amazing in Pharaoh. Yeah, yes. yeah. There has been a dangerous case of a Spanish-French-flagged longliner trying to ram the Shetland trawler defiant and then fell their propeller with a rope. This was all captured on video by the Shetland crew. It is at least the third documented incident in recent times. And unless something is done, there could be a real tragedy with loss of life. And I know they have been having trouble, was mm-hmm. it? Because the French were um, fishing for the sand eels, weren't they? And that's oh, the exactly. puffins' food, yeah. Yes, mm. yes. So, oh, no, mm. they'll have to sort that out. Yeah. <laughs> Orkney, in 1956, had over 5,000 wireless sets, and TV was booming. 
with an estimated population of 20,400 persons and a total of 5,394 wireless receivers, Orkney was rather more than one wireless for every four inhabitants. This figure was given by the post office the other day and refers to the period ending on April 30th. The most astonishing figure, however, is that given for holders of television licences. These now number 74. While Orkney is well outside the theoretical range of the nearest television transmitter, at present operating at Meldrum near Aberdeen, geographical and meteorological factors seem to be in our favour. Although reception is by no means consistently good, it is often good enough for pleasurable viewing, and the figures show that quite a few Orcadians are prepared to take a chance on it. Yes, some of the comments made us laugh. One lady said her grandparents had a large black and white TV with sliding wooden roller doors that pulled round from either side. When their grandfather was watching cowboy movies, grandmother would censor certain bits by standing in front and closing the doors. Occasionally she would take a quick peek and open them up again. And several others said that to watch TV, the family got dressed up like they were going to the movies in the theatre or the theatre. (laughs) But censoring a cowboy movie, oh dear. Oh, you never know, these cowboy movies. (laughs) Yeah, what they got up to. (laughs) Well, with Armistice just a few days away, here are a few pieces that were in the papers during the wars. A general notice. War Charities Act 1940, the Acadian Penny Fund for Relief of War Distress. Notice is hereby given that it is proposed to apply to Orkney County Council to have the above fund registered in terms of the War Charities Act 1940. The purpose of the fund is to relieve war distress in the County of Orkney, and the fund is administered by a committee drawn from readers of the Orcadian newspaper of Kirkwall. The administrative centre of the fund is situated at the Orcadian office, 7 and 9 Victoria Street, Kirkwall. Notice of any objection to the above-mentioned application should be lodged within eight days from this date with Mr Douglas M Wood, County Clerk, Kirkwall. James Greaves McEwen, Editor the Orcadian, for and on behalf of the fund, Tuesday, October the 1st, mm. 1940. Mm. Right. The Orcadian, 20th of February, 1919, Regent Street at Scapa Flow, a floating shop for the fleet. With the birthing of the steamship Moradino in the Surrey commercial dock on Tuesday of last week, It is now possible to make known a story which is without precedent in the history of the British Navy. In December 1914, Commodore Cecil Lambert, the fourth sea lord, conceived the idea that the monotony of life in the Grand Fleet stationed at Scapa Flow might be greatly relieved by giving the officers and men opportunities for obtaining the simple luxuries of everyday life, which naturally could not be obtained in the remote hamlets of the Orkney Islands. I sort of had to laugh at that. (laughs) Mind you, it was pretty primitive in those days. An arrangement was made with the Junior Army and Navy Stores, Lower Regent Street, London, to take out a floating store. 
replete with every commodity that was likely to be required. Officers and men of the First Fleet were permitted to come aboard daily between 9am and 4pm. These visits were usually productive of interesting incidents, and they were taken advantage of to an extent the store was often overcrowded. On one occasion, no fewer than 2,700 officers and men came to make purchases, and on another, when the American sailors boarded the SS Borodino in force, the day's receipts amounted to £978. The turnover in the four years was at a rate of £10,000 a year. So that was quite a bit of money. They were doing um, pretty good, the, yeah, the Army and Navy stores, weren't they? Yeah, but I had yes. to laugh that um, you know, they, were, they couldn't obtain them in Orpets. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bit of aftershave too, or something, yeah. Too many of them, yes. <laughs> mm. yes. This was in the Shetland Times on the 25th of September 1915. Walking sticks for the wounded. Miss Tullock, having collected and forwarded to the Mayfield Red Cross Hospital, Edinburgh, a quantity of walking sticks for the use of wounded soldiers, has received a letter of acknowledgement from the matron, in which she warmly thanked Miss Tullock for the gift, which will be indeed a boon to many of our patients. Mm, well, I'm sure they would be too. Yeah. Yes. Officers Dance the dance for officers in Lerwick Town Hall last Saturday evening was attended by 35 couples and proved to be very jolly and successful. A scratch band supplied the music. During the evening, Mrs A.J. Smith announced that in future these dances for officers would be run by a committee along with Miss Robinson in the lounge. This week's dance will again be on Saturday, but in future they are likely to be on Tuesday evenings. December 1943, ARP. In connection with the air raid precautions scheme of the country, anti-gas and first aid training is being furnished to the local staffs of the Post Office, Ministry of Labour, Meteorological Office, Customs and Excise and Air Ministry Departments in Shetland. Members of these government departments have been attending instruction classes in the borough courtroom commencing on Thursday of last week and continuing up to the end of next week. The engineering staffs have also had instruction in decontamination work. The instructor is Mr W Pratt, who received his training at the Civilian Anti-Gas School at Fellfield, Gloucestershire, and who is a former post office official mm. himself. Yes, they needed that, isn't it? Mm. Right, and the Scotsman, January 1940. Twelve bombs dropped on Monday's raid in Shetland. Three German warplanes, Dorniers and Hinkles, dropped twelve bombs but all fell into the sea. State the last reports from Shetland, which was unsuccessfully attacked on Monday. There were three attacks, each made by one machine, and one attack was a determined dive down. The enemy planes encountered a terrific barrage from land and sea from anti-aircraft guns and machine guns. Children in nearby schools were kept in shelters during the raid. British fighters patrolled the islands yesterday when there was a false alarm. No hostile machines were seen. Mm. Ministry of Food, Reasons for Rationing War has meant the replanning of our food supplies. Half our meat and most of our bacon, butter and sugar come from overseas. 
Here are four reasons for rationing. 1. Rationing prevents waste of food. We must not ask our sailors to bring unnecessary food cargoes at the risk of their lives. 2. Rationing increases our war effort. Our shipping carries food and armaments in their raw and finished state, and other essential raw materials for home consumption in the export trade. To reduce our purchases of food abroad is to release ships for bringing us other imports, so we shall strengthen our war effort. 3. Rationing divides supplies equally. There will be ample supplies for our 44.5 million people, but we must divide them fairly, everyone being treated alike. No one must be left out. 4. Rationing prevents uncertainty. Your ration book assures you of your fair share. Rationing means that there will be no uncertainty and no cues. Your ration book is your passport to easy purchasing of bacon and ham, butter and sugar. An announcement by the Ministry of Food. GT Westminster House, London, SW1. I had to sort of smile about the bacon. <laughs> you could have lived without your bacon. But I said, no cues. I don't think that's quite right. For, you know, I've read here, the year there was always plenty of cues for everything, and it was something that the housewives complained about right. quite a bit, you know, right. that they had to queue for yes. a loaf of bread or something. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but it was just the bacon tickled my fancy. <laughs> mm. Right, beware of spies. Don't talk. The enemy has ears everywhere. Don't imagine that everyone who speaks English is to be trusted and that every uniform covers a friend. Don't exchange confidences with casual companions or when travelling at home or abroad. Don't treat strangers who write to you, who offer gifts of hospitality or who tell you their secrets. Don't hesitate to prevent and to report at once any leakage of information or any suspicious action. Don't mention naval or military matters in your letters. They have a, have a habit of getting into print to the advantage of the enemy. Don't imagine that private diaries or notebooks will keep secrets. They sometimes get lost or stolen. Don't leave written scraps of paper about. Burn them. They might tell tales. Don't forget that a chance word or a scrap of paper may help your enemy and slay your friend. This was Beware of Spies was a World War II propaganda poster. Mm, yes. And now, rejoicings in Kirkwall after the war. The news of the signing of the armistice with Germany was received in Kirkwall on Monday morning. The announcement was received with intense enthusiasm. The shipping in harbour and the streets of Kirkwall were quickly bedecked with bunting, whilst the streamers in port voiced the feelings of all by the continuous sounding of sirens. All through the day, the manifestations of joy continued. As ship after ship entered the bay, the glad tidings were announced to the mariners by renewed blowing of whistles. On the recommendation of Provost Blakey, all places of business were closed in the afternoon, and a joint service of thanksgiving in which the ministers of the town took part 
was conducted in St. Magnus Cathedral at night. Mm. I'm not sure if that was um, after the First or Second World War. I'd say it'd be the First, first World War. Mm. I would think mm. so, because mm. they tend... With the bunting and the... And, yes, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. Well, it's that time again when we've come to the end of our programme. Just a wee reminder, it's only eight weeks until Christmas. Soon to be time to check out all your Christmas decorations. Have a happy Halloween and cheerio until next month. Mm.